the Turks got exposed. You are Locked On Turks, your daily podcast on the Maryland Turks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? I'm Trey Moore, host of Locked On Turks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making us part of your day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $5 and get 200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. The Terps' mistakes absolutely got exposed against Charlotte. Yes, we won the game, but it was one of the sloppier games, and, and it was Way too sloppy for me. I wanted us to clean it up a lot more after the Towson game. I thought the Towson game was a little bit sloppy, but the Towson game was not sloppy compared to how we just played against Charlotte. The way we came out and the amount of mistakes that we made, the Terps got exposed. I put disappointing win after the post game. And a lot of people had stuff to say about that, about how there's such a thing as a disappointing win. But to me, when you're more talented and you have a standard that we're trying to create as a Maryland program, there is this thing as a disappointing win. And that's what I kind of thought of it as. We came out flat as could be, and we got exposed in multiple areas. First drive of the game for Charlotte. They come out, run the ball a couple times, and then Jaquan Shepard tries to jump a route on the flat on a little out route, is reading the quarterback's eyes, takes a huge risk, and his guy goes down the field for a huge touchdown on a huge play. That absolutely can't happen. So first, one of the first plays on defense, Jaquan Shepard got exposed. Jaquan Shepard has played awesome so far. In the first game against Towson, he was targeted five times for and only allowed one catch for five yards. But there he got exposed, and I wonder if that's something they saw on film, if they saw Jaquan Shepard jumping routes and that, oh, we can take the shot, or it's something that just happened and it was a little bit of a coincidence and something that usually it happens a lot in football. But either way, whether they saw it on film or it just happened to happen, it got exposed against Charlotte Jaquan Shepard trying to jump routes and playing undisciplined, and that absolutely can't happen against any other team in the Big Ten. I don't care who we play, from an Indiana to a Michigan State who just we don't know what's going on with Mel Tucker and their coaching situation or Ohio State. Whoever we play, they might try that same play against Jaquan Shepard where they give him a a route to jump at and another guy's going to fly behind him for a 50-yard touchdown. But I'm glad it did happen, and I'm glad we got exposed in that area right away against Charlotte because we can fix it going into the next game. Kickoff. Turnovers. Octavian Smith is our returner, explosive as they come in the Big Ten. I think he has the highest upside maybe of anyone on the team with the guys like Jay Sean Barham. I think he can be as good as anyone. I think by the time he's a senior, he's just so explosive. He's going to be one of the best wide receivers in college football, I think, in his senior year. He's still only a sophomore right now, but the way the speed he plays with. But at the end of the day, he fumbled the opening kickoff. That can't happen. 
it got exposed. I mean, obviously we work on it a ton. I'm not going to act like it's a huge deal, but that can't happen because against another team that can easily be a turnover and be the difference in the game. If you guys don't remember Michigan, I talked about it in the off season. That's exactly what happened against Michigan. First play, first kickoff, we fumble it at like their 10 yard line. I forget if it was either Octavian Smith or Ty Felton. It was one of them two, and Michigan ended up winning that game by seven. But in terms of the turnovers, we're lucky it wasn't a turnover, but I'm going to count that as a turnover in my head, and we can't fumble the ball. That got exposed against Charlotte, and that can't happen. But like I was saying, the Michigan game ended up being a seven-point game, and we fumbled the opening kickoff at our, like, 10-yard line, and they score on, like, the third play, and we go down 7-0 before we even blink. And we were able to stay in that game, and that can be the difference. And that's why I'm saying Charlotte exposed us in that area. Obviously, Charlotte didn't do a lot to make that happen. It's a little bit different than the Jaquan Shepard trying to jump around. Obviously, that's more on us, but we need to fix that quickly. We can't fumble any opening kickoffs if we want to beat the big dogs. And then maybe who got exposed the most, that might be the most concerning, was Talia Tungaviola. He threw two picks and did not have his best game. They were both against zone coverage in reads that you would expect him not to make at this point where he is as a player in the amount of experience. I was hoping we kind of got rid of some of that, but it was like a linebacker and he baited Talia into a throw that he should not have made over to a wide receiver. He pre-read it, and it got picked. He stared it down, and that was the same thing as the second interception. He had Caden, or he didn't have Caden Prather. Caden Prather wasn't open. Stared him down the whole way. Defense was running like a cover two, I want to say. It was hard to tell by the camera angle, but he stared it down the whole way, and the safety had the easiest play of their life for Charlotte. So Talia got exposed in that game. And there were other plays where other people were opened and he missed the read and tried and fired in to tight coverage. I'm not going to act like he played a terrible game, but we've always talked about it with Talia. There's always been a couple of stinkers, but Charlotte absolutely exposed him. They disguised coverages a little bit and they made him throw the ball in areas that he should not have thrown the ball. And they showed that if you're going to stare down the guy, we're going to pick it off, and we're going to read your eyes. So we better fix that. Similar to what I said about Jaquan Shepard, another team is going to try some of that same stuff that Charlotte found success in and created a turnover off of. They're going to try that against Talia later on in the season, and I'm expecting that to change and for him to make the right read. But Charlotte definitely exposed Talia and how he's staring down wide receivers, making pre-reads. Obviously, pre-reads are part of the game. It's what you do as a quarterback a lot of the time. That's what the greats do, whether it's Tom Brady, um, Peyton Manning, whatever. They make a ton of pre-reads. They understand the defense before. But there's a fine line between making the right pre-read and making the wrong one and reading the defense right. But Charlotte looks like they disguised a couple coverages against us, had guys dropping when maybe we were expecting them to drop in a different area and different zones. And it exposed the Terps offense. It exposed Talia. And he was making pre-reads and staring guys down. And that absolutely cannot happen. And it needs to be fixed right away. And I don't expect it to happen anymore. Obviously, we had some trouble. But I was last year with some picks. But I didn't expect it to be a huge trouble with Talia, especially if we want to consider him one of the best 
the best Maryland quarterback of all time. It just can't happen. I was a little bit disappointed with how he played, but hopefully he bounces back next week against Virginia. And something that we're not going to talk about a lot, it wasn't a huge problem, but I thought in the first quarter they did expose our run defense a little bit, just a little bit. It wasn't a ton, and as the game went on, it got a lot better, and we were able to stop them, and we forced them to pass the ball. But I thought at the beginning of the game, they came out with heavy personnel. What I said would happen, what I exactly what I said was going to happen, they were going to come out two tight end sets, three tight end sets, and run it down our throat. And they were kind of doing that on the first possession. And we had to add a, pretty much everyone was in the box to stop the run, which does concern me a little bit because the fact that everyone had to be in the box pretty much to stop the run and having all those bodies in there. When we play against a team that can pass and run the ball, then that concerns me if we're not going to be able to stop the run without having too many guys in the box and that it's going to open up passing lanes for other teams because there's a lot of balanced teams in the Big Ten. Penn State, Drew Allard can throw the ball around, and they also have the best running back room maybe in all of college football. Same thing, exact thing with Michigan. McCarthy can throw it around, and they might have the best running back room in football. So we got to fix that because I thought it got exposed in the first drive. You saw they ran, 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 and then they pass it over for 50 yards on a bus coverage. So we definitely got exposed in multiple areas, and I want to see us fix it fast. But next, who are the offensive and defensive MVP? A segment that we do every Monday after the games. I'll tell you after this ad. Now it's time for your Game Changer of the Week. Brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Talia Tunga Viola, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. You don't have to worry about hangovers. I've talked to many people in the Locked On community, and they say they taste great. They're the fastest-growing non-alcoholic brewery in the U.S., so get on board. You can find Athletic Brewing Co.'s non-alcoholic brews at the store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. Let's get into the offensive and defensive MVP for the Terps, and let's start with the offensive MVPs. I have two co-MVPs at the same position. I wanted to recognize both of these guys, and it starts with Roman Hemby. What a second half Roman Hemby had. Played like a beast, like what I wanted to see from Roman Hemby. I've been talking about it. I wanted Roman Hemby to get more touches. I talked about it in the Last podcast before the game, I was like, I want Roman Hemby to not have 12 touches like he had against Towson. I want him to have closer to 19, to 21. And that's exactly what they did. And guess what he did with it? 19 carries for 163 yards with an 8.5 average. But as crazy as that is, as great as that stat line was, that was not it for Roman Hemby. He also had four receptions. For 55 yards. And that was good for the second leading receiver on our team. So Roman Hemby all around played amazing. Had 217 total yards. And like I said about the receiving. I wanted to see him just get touches overall. 
if you see the way he moves out with in the screen game and just basic handoffs, Roman Hemby can do it all. Um, I'm not going to compare him to Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the best in the game, but Roman Hemby does a lot of those similar things where he can take a screen that might be look like it's for a loss and then take it for 60 yards. That's kind of what he did against Charlotte. But the most surprising thing about it was he only had nine rushing yards in the first half. So he had 150 yards in the second half, took a couple to the house, and absolutely went off. But I also want to give the offensive line credit to that because I've been hard on the offensive line. I said it has to improve, but I thought they did an awesome job in the second half opening up run lanes for Roman Hemby. There are big lanes and then getting out in the screen, screen game and getting out and getting out and blocking guys. But I thought the offensive line played a lot better in terms of the run blocking, which is great to see because we're going to need that heading into the rest of the season, especially as we get into Big Ten play. And then I had to give this guy the co-offensive MVP, the running back roommate with Roman Hemby, Colby McDonald, the junior, who often gets overshadowed by Roman Hemby, Antoine Littleton, and other guys in that room that we expect Colby McDonald not to really play a ton, not to really do much, and to take a back seat to, like I said, Hemby, Littleton, Brown. But Colby McDonald said, I got to eat too. And the crazy part about it is he averaged more than Roman Hemby in terms of yards. If you thought eight yards per carry was a lot, guess what Colby McDonald did? He averaged nine he averaged nine per carry and had 73 yards. And there was one possession where we were only up by three points in the third quarter. And we were giving the ball to Colby McDonald. And he carried us that possession, had three straight runs for just complete chunks, chunks, chunk, and scored a touchdown. So Colby McDonald, like I said, we ex- a lot of people expected him to be like the fourth running back, but he's making the case to be running back too. Antoine Littleton kind of didn't play a lot because he had um, a penalty on a uh, misconduct penalty. So I don't know if that was why he didn't play or it was because Colby McDonald was playing so well, but Colby McDonald provided a spark and he's brought leadership. He could have went somewhere else with the loaded running back room now that he's a junior and the rest of the guys are all younger than him. And we're going to continue to bring in good running backs. We continue to recruit it well, but instead he stayed here and he's being a veteran of the group. He's being a leader and he's making a huge impact. And I love what Colby McDonald did in this game against Charlotte. And he absolutely provided a spark and got us over the top. The running back room overall really made this game. And that was one of the few bright spots, not the few bright spots, but one of the bright spots of the game. And there weren't a ton. I'm not going to lie. There weren't a ton of bright spots. Um, I was also thinking about giving it to Caden Prather for offensive MVP. He had 80 yards and had a nice touchdown, but I ended up going with co-MVP, Hemby and Kobe McDonald. Let me know who you guys think was the offensive MVP. But for now on, I'll try and keep it to one guy. But I had to give it to both of them because I don't know when Kobe McDonald going to have another game like that. I mean, obviously, I would love for him to have another games like that. But realistically, I don't know how many of those type of games he can have. And then moving on to the defensive MVP, I had to go with Jay Sean Barham. If you have two sacks in a game, I kind of have to give it to you. He had four tackles only. 
I still think I make this point every single podcast, I feel like. And I'm honestly tired of kind of seeing it. Why do we take him out of the game? If you see this guy, his sideline to sideline speed at linebacker, he comes off the edge. He's our best pass rusher coming off the edge. He's our best linebacker in terms of pass coverage, in terms of stopping the run. He's our best player on defense. He's the most talented player in the team. And he plays like two-thirds of the snaps. Like, he needs to play more like 80 90% snaps. I understand we like to rotate guys in, but – at a certain point, we're down by 14 against Charlotte. It's like, why isn't Jayshon Barham in the game? But he had two sacks one coming off the edge. It reminds me, I like to make NFL comparisons because a lot of people understand them. This isn't the same thing. Obviously, Micah Parsons is a freak and is the best in the game in terms of the whole world. But what they kind of do that really remind me of each other is that Micah Parsons started up as kind of a stand-up inside linebacker who could also everyone was like could rush the passer and he could be a top five pick as a edge rusher but also could be one of the best inside linebackers at the game and you're like what do I kind of do with him because obviously pass rushing is like the one of the most important things on the defense Barham reminds me a lot of that it's like okay he can be our best inside linebacker but I'm gonna go ahead and say this I kind of make this into a segment on another day We'll see, but I think Barham is our best pass rusher coming off the edge. The way he bends, the way he comes around, it's similar to what I'm saying about Micah Parsons. He's not the same caliber player as Micah Parsons, obviously, but in terms of how he can do both things, it's really similar. But he had two sacks, one of them coming off the edge, looked like an absolute freak and looked like a goon. Barham doing what we expect him to do, and I think if he played every snap almost, his stat lines could be crazy, but two sacks in a game for inside linebacker. He's going to put up crazy snaps. And then other notable names I considered to be defensive MVP. I considered Tarheeb still. He played really well, had some nice plays. I also can consider Bo Braid. Again, letter team in tackles. Are you surprised? No, he does it every week almost, but that's kind of who I expected. And then Caleb Wheatland. Um, Barham's linebacker mate also had some really nice plays. I love how Caleb Wheatland plays. He just always seems to be around the ball, but he's been playing really well. Maryland has one of the best and deepest receiving rooms in the country. I'll tell you about that after this message from FanDuel and the Locked On community. College football season is here, and this season Locked On is kicking up your coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5, $5 and will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, 
official partner of the NFL. After two games in this season, I can confidently say Maryland has one of the best and deepest wide receiver rooms in the country. People don't realize how talented this group is. I've been saying it for a while now, but I think watching and continuously seeing all that they can do, this group is one of the best in the country and in the Big Ten. What makes a wide receiver group good? What makes them stand out and work well together? Different skill sets. Let's think about the Bengals. I love the NFL comparisons. Bengals, a lot of people consider them the best NFL wide receiver trio in the NFL. Most people would vote for them. What do they have? Jamar Chase, against Tyler Boyd. They had three guys who all have different skill sets. T. Higgins, jump ball guy, can go up and get it. He actually gave me zero fantasy points this week, but that's all right. And then you got Tyler Boyd, the route runner of the group, more of the slot guy, um, can just separate, get open, third down, look at Tyler Boyd. Jamar Chase, all-around freak, one of the best in the game. They have three guys who can all do different things and it complements each other really well, even though the Bengals really didn't play well this weekend. And then Maryland, I think it's a really similar thing. I think we have a bunch of different skill sets that fits perfectly together. And then the guys are also really talented, too, at the same time. I think about Caden Prather, who played his best game yet as Maryland Terrapin, obviously only his second game, but had 80 yards and a touchdown. Caden Prather can go up and make plays over guys. He can get open, too. He's 6'4", down the field threat. If we look at Jayshon Jones, he's our slot guy. Talia's safety blanket, gets open, route runner. If we look at a guy like Tyrese Chambers, offers a little bit of everything. Octavian Smith, freak, deep threat, explosive athlete, one of the fastest guys on the team, probably the fastest, can take a 10 yards, can take a screen and take it 80 yards to the house. Ty Felton, 6'2", size, route running speed. Corey Deitches, even though he's our tight end, I'm counting him in, as that, in that room. He had 100 yards in the first game against Towson. Overall, there's so many different skill sets, and we're deep in those and we're deep at the position. We're like six deep. And we got guys still down the list that have aren't even playing a lot, like Shalik Knotts, Ryan Manning, that are still really good really good players. And then I think the most important thing, like I said, is that it's a deep room. If you look at the stat line, you don't know how to game plan for our wide receiver room. And that's what makes them one of the best in the Big Ten, I would say. Because you don't know who's going to go off because there's so many different guys that are all talented with different skill sets that have all done different things. Think about it like this. Look at how it went in the first game. Deitches had 100 yards. Jason Jones had 60 yards. And Smith had above 40 yards and showed flashes and big plays. Second game, it's Caden Prather going for above 80 yards and leading the team. And then Ty Felton having a big game and even Roman Hemby getting in the action in the receiving game. And Tyrese Chambers was out last game. We haven't even seen the best of Tyrese Chambers. You don't know who to game plan for in this wide receiver room. There's a bunch of guys. If you focus on Corey Deitches in the tight end room and how he's a matchup, then Caden Prather might go off. If you focus on Jason Jones in the slot and Caden Prather on the outside, Octavian Smith might hit you for a 60-yard game. There's so many different skill sets in this wide receiver room that Talia just has to be a distributor. And if the offensive line can hold up 
for the rest of the season, this wide receiver room is going to truly be something. I think there's so many talented players in that room. But overall, I think our wide receiver room is one of the best in the country. And I think it's showing up on paper and it's showing up on the field. But thank you for listening to Locked on Terps. Tomorrow's episode will dive more into Charlotte. I want to talk about Talia's play. I want to talk a little bit about should Jayshon Barham come off the edge more. We'll dive more into the game. But overall, 2-0 is 2-0. Make sure you like and subscribe. We'll see you tomorrow. And thanks for listening to Locked on Terps.